be a disciple means we're learning to be like Jesus, growing in his character while learning to do the things he could do, developing his competencies. It's about character and competency. To do this, we increasingly pattern our life after the life of Jesus. So one of the questions we have to ask is how Jesus would pattern his life if he had your job, if he had your personality type, your family situation, lived where you lived, or made the same amount of money that you make. When we examine the life of Jesus in the Gospels, what we see emerge is a particular way of relating to the world around him. He is very intentional in how he used his time to invest in certain kinds of relationships. It's the pattern of his whole life and ministry. Put another way, Jesus had three great loves that his entire life oriented around. In Mark 9, 2 through 29, we see Jesus go up a mountain to pray. But this wasn't abnormal for Jesus, was it? Throughout his life, he was constantly getting away from the crowds and everyone else to spend time with his first love, attending to the upward dimension of his life, his relationship with his Father. We then see him come down the mountain and run straight into the people he's investing his life into, his disciples. Jesus was never ambiguous about who his spiritual family was. In attending to the inward dimension of his life, Jesus spent more than 50% of his time with just his spiritual family and no one else. But then, he steps out into the full brokenness of the world, driving out an evil spirit from a troubled boy. Jesus attends to the outward dimension by dealing with sin head on. He's concerned with how sin affects individuals, how each person is separated from God because of their sin and doomed because of it. And he's concerned that when you get a bunch of sinful people together, they create systems of sin and injustice. Sin creates individual problems and communal problems. Jesus stepped out and brought hope to both. Three great loves. He was deeply connected to his father. He was constantly investing in those his father had given him to disciple and to be spiritual family with. And he entered into the brokenness of the world with good news and asked for a response individually and communally. To be disciples of Jesus, we pattern our life in the same way that Jesus did, up, in, and out. Most people are naturally good at one. They're okay at a second, and they're fairly bad at a third. But rather than simply playing to our strengths, we commit to be learners. The invitation of Jesus is to pattern our life after His, to learn His ways, and to let His power be made perfect in our weakness. That video really tells the story, don't you think? Put your hands together, everybody. Tells the story, what we're supposed to do. Thank you for being here today, and I pray that uh, it's never too late to dream we'll talk about tonight. Our text is going to be found out of Acts, the uh, second chapter, verse number 42. And this is what it says. If you have your iPad, your iPhone, or a real Bible, or have it in your memory, here's what it says. They, that is the early church, church was born in Acts, the second chapter. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts 
praising God and enjoying favor with of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so this relates to community. Remember, Jesus goes up on the video to the Father, communicates, comes down, spends time of fellowship, where it said about 50% of his time happened to be with his leadership. And then, of course, he left there and went into the multitudes and touched them. And that really is the principle of God working in the church and true church growth. Do you think people pay attention in church? How many think people pay attention in church? Okay, four. How many not real sure? May I see your hand? How many don't think they pay attention? Y'all going to make this a long message. I really had it down to where I thought, but it's so, so you, you got to help me a little bit. How many of you think that people sometimes pay attention in church? Oh, that's good. You just shorten the message by a good 30 seconds. That was really, really, really good. You see, this is the second message in our series. Week before last, I spoke about up the part in which Jesus went up. You saw it on the video. We uh, used the Apostle Paul as our illustration and example where Paul had that encounter uh, with uh, Christ and that bright light. And you know that, that, that as he was on his donkey headed to Yeehaw Junction, the Spirit of God fell. How many remember that story in the Bible? Yeah, well, we know that he wasn't headed to Yeehaw. He was headed, of course, to uh, follow after his will. And I mean, bam, just out of nowhere, he's down in the dirt, but he was transformed by that experience and had a relationship. Today we talk about in. It's like, okay, we have that upward relationship. If you love Jesus, say amen. amen. Come on now, one more time. Everybody, if you love Jesus, say amen. amen. That's the upward relationship. Now today we talk about, do we need one another? Is it really true that we need one another? The church is called community. <coughs> another calls it uh, relational, uh, a relational village. The reality is we all need someone. And it is the goal when we get together in church or any part of a community that you're involved in, it's the goal to have everybody with one common purpose and one goal in mind. The question is this, is do, do other people matter in your life? Do they really, really matter? And what does the church or the Christian community look like? And I want to give you several points this morning because this is one of those messages that you're going to have to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I need you to speak to me and for me to understand what in this message you are saying directly to me. In other words, I want you to listen as the Holy Spirit through me speaks to you God's Word. And then I want you to say, I don't want to just be a hearer of what I hear. I want to be a doer. So God, what action plan do I have? Number one, we were made or created for community. Do you know the Bible says it's not good for man to be what? To be alone. Do you know why? Because if man were alone, the ketchup bottle would never be found in the refrigerator. If man were to be left alone, the house would probably be a mess. If man were left alone, I got to tell you, friend, he'd eat all unhealthy foods, no doubt about it. If man happened to be left alone, there'd be no one there to give him correction. 
Y'all stand with me, right? You got to help me out this morning. That Jordan River about killed me, I'm telling you. God, I uh, just, uh, wow, you hear my voice. Dallin Willard, here's what he said. He said, hey, human nature was created. When God created human nature, he said, I want human nature to have relationship. Just like a tree planted, of course, has to have a root that system that is spread, that gets its nourishment, gets all the nutrients that it needs to make it grow. He has, that tree has to have all of them. And here's what God has saying to us. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to connect with one group or another. You're either going to correct, connect, and you determine what, how much you connect to the followers of Jesus Christ, are you going to connect with an ungodly world? He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold than to be lukewarm and expect you can live that kind of life and, in fact, be productive. We get our energy from other people. I mean, can you imagine that any sports team you know, and they have a stadium that seats 70,000 if 50 people showed up? What kind of motivation do you think it'd be for the players to get out there? Said so nobody out there is clapping. Nobody's in the stands. It'd be a real downer, my friend. So here's what God did. God said, I created you to need someone else. You draw your energy off other people. Robert Putnam, who wrote an article entitled Bowling Alone, he said, listen, here's what I know. Isolated people who withdraw he said, are three times more likely to die prematurely than those that are engaged with other people. He said, if you die prematurely and you're engaged uh, with other people, he said, you can cut that percentage absolutely in half. And we understand that. One nation depends on another nation. For example, we were in Israel this time last week. We're standing on top of Mount Carmel trying to teach. Their jets, their big fighter jets are underground. And buddy, the ground just opens up and their jets shoot straight up, launch straight up into the sky. So while we're standing there trying to teach, they launched about four of them. And then I thought, all right, we can, we can start teaching again. Then they launched three or four more and got right over us. And then I thought we can start, and then they launched three or four more. I thought what they need me to do is stand on the war line and just start teaching and they'll launch jets. That must have been the way it works. We need Israel, and Israel needs us. Other nations need America, and we need other nations, and we need a positive relationship. You see, the problem is there is scrimmage and war happening all the time, every minute of the day on the planet in which we live. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all churches and all people who believed in the one true God and serve God enthusiastically. Wouldn't it be wonderful if just one church got together and 100% said, hey, I need you. You know what, gentlemen? You ought to try that on your wife this afternoon or tonight. Just turn out of nowhere and say to her, I need you. Or lady, why don't you turn to your husband and say, hey, I need you. And you know what that'll do if you do it without strings attached? It means something to one another for someone else to say that they need you. Well, you have God. He's sufficient enough, don't you think? He created the heavens and the earth. But here it is, the three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. 
And they all had separate dispensation. The Bible says that God the Father spoke the world into existence. In Genesis, the first chapter, verse number one, we're introduced to God, to God, the Godhead. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse two, we have another dispensation, and it is the Godhead, the Spirit of God, that hovered over the waters and over the chaos. And then in the third verse of Genesis 1, we're told of the dimension of God being what we might call God's Word, and God spoke, and it was so. And the Bible says that the Word of God was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. In these three verses, we have the Trinity, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son all working together for one common purpose, and they serve together to do the will of the Heavenly Father. We were not created just with uh, atoms or particles or participles and things of that nature. We were created, get this, we were created by a divine being of Almighty God, a divine being called God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who was devoted to love, devoted to delight in us, devoted to serve us and upserve Him. And that is the beauty of that relationship that we have with one another. So this message deals with that so that Jesus, when He died on the cross, He said, whosoever will may come into the holy presence of a loving and a mighty God. You see, we don't live in the community with one another just to be physical or social or just for survival. We live in community when we work together to serve one another. It exalts the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what we also do. We grow in community. We we cannot grow appropriately in Christ intellectually, socially, spiritually, any other way. If you choose to say, I don't need the church, I don't need other Christians, I don't need this, I don't need you, I don't need that, you're going to be an isolated person. Paul says, hold up now, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. You see, when we say we don't need other people, we don't need his church, I don't need to get involved, I don't need to get engaged, we deceive ourselves. And we're pretty good at that. We, we deceive ourselves. I don't need the youth group. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need all that. You're lying to yourself. You will never be the potential that God wants you to be if you live and believe and follow that way, my friend. Why? Because God created you to belong to someone else. He said, love one what? Love one another. And if you're afraid to engage in relationships and fellowship and make yourself vulnerable to another person, you don't know what that means to love your neighbor. Moving forward, it takes others to help us see our blind spots. How many of you acknowledge that you have a blind spot? I want to try it one more time. I saw you balcony people up there. You got your shoes off. You think you're a long ways from me, but listen, I'm a watching. Someone ask one more time for everybody. How many of you acknowledge? Yeah, blind spots. 
Yeah, we do. Thank you, guys and gals up there. We all do. You know, it's one of the reasons you get married. I mean, you didn't count on it. It wasn't on the agenda when you said, I do. But you found out not long after you said, I do, shortly after the honeymoon. Somebody will help you see your blind spots. Somebody say amen. amen. How many have a person better than average at that? <laughs> yeah, y'all smart people. You got to help me out. We see our blind spots. What does that do? You see, when we do that in love, we realize, hey, that's an area that I need help with. Conversation helps you with evaluation because here it is. If a person says, I can grow in God by myself, I submit to you, they cannot grow in a way that God approves of to do it by themselves. Why? In Acts 2, verse 42, here's the word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Not only that, praising God and enjoying his favor of all the people. And what was the result of that? He added to their number, to their church on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Number three, we find acceptance in community. He said in John 15, verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Here's another version, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Now, I know there are people that get on your last nerve. I have people that get on my last nerve. I don't know about you, but I do. And I mean, I read that scripture that said, accept them, you know, as I have accepted you. That's a little stretch of faith and effort. Hello? Especially if it's around somebody just gets underneath you all the time. You know what I'm saying? But here's the beauty of it. He said, okay, often here's what we find. The more you get to know a person, the potential of actually seeing the good in them is much greater if you have an open heart and an open mind. Many of you ladies married a guy that you did not like to begin with. Come on, ladies, let me hear an amen. And it's still questionable after 25 years. <laughs> we know that. But here's what he says. You accept one another as Christ has accepted us. If we do that, what that means is what virtually the Scripture is doing is taking away every excuse from us so that we don't get to pick and choose who's on the bus. He said, I'll pick and choose who's on the bus. And don't you ever forget this. If the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord, there are people God wants you to influence as you run in to their path. There are individuals that God wants you to lift up. It's not all about you, and it's not all about me. I don't all the time get to hang with just the people I like hanging with. I found out that there are some people that I thought I didn't like hanging with that I thought, well, they turned out to be a pretty good deal. On this trip to Israel, 111 people, three buses. We're together. We eat dinner or we eat breakfast together. We had dinner together. That's supper. And we had lunch together at different places. And there were some people, I'm, I'm confessing to you, that I had, I just had already formed an opinion 
because I watched them from time to time here in church, didn't really, and I thought they're a little bit stuck up, they're a little bit unfriendly, they're just like some of you think about me. Someone said to me the other day, old pastor walked by me and he didn't even say hello, and the person responded, yeah, he can be that way sometime. I said, ch 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 So I'm telling you straight up, I love you. I love you. I love all of you. And it just happens to be sometime when I walk past you, I'm trying to think about what I'm going to preach. And so can you forgive me? That wasn't good enough. I said, can, can you forgive me? Thank you. That was almost there. Do you love me? Can you forgive me? Oh, you just shorten this message another 15 seconds. Listen carefully. The cross was two-dimensional. It's vertical in which Jesus hung on. That vertical said, okay, here's the Father. Jesus came down, down to this earth and served and followed the perfect will of the Father and in the process, through the process of being obedient to the Father, had the privilege of redeeming you and me. But when he went to that tomb, he went into the abyss, of course, and did some rescuing. But then on the third day, now we were there in that area, and they said, now the tomb, the tomb is here. Here is a tomb that fits the description of what Jesus would have been buried in, and there is where the stone was, and you can walk in, and you can walk in that old stone tomb, and here's what I thought when they said, you know, we believe this is, is the place, but we cannot say that absolute. Here's what I say. Well, if you ain't found another one, and this is the only one you found, I'm claiming that one. I want to go in and look around and see if he's gone, and he is gone, friend, out of there on the third day. Get ready for Easter. How about that? How wonderful is that? That bar on that cross, you notice his hands are open. They were not nailed this way, but his hands were open. And you know what that means? He said, every one of you are important to me. Every one of you, whether or not you bow to me, whether or not you enthusiastically serve me, whether or not you lie to me, whether or not you turn your back on me, I just want you to know I love you. And those arms open wide says, whosoever will. Well, here's what I think. If God says that and he works in me and I'm supposed to be his followers, I want to be a part of that community with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter thought, nah, I don't believe that. Only the Jews matter. Jesus said, or God said, let me help you, Peter, with that. Gave him a little vision. He understood. And he said, okay, Gentiles matter. Do you know what? Many of the Jews today, unless, unless you are, are an individual that's decided to say, I forsake Judaism and I'll follow mess their Messianic Jews today, we had one of the guides who said, do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? She said, I don't know. When I see him, I'm going to ask him. 
Now, this lady can give you more volumes of material about Israel, about Jerusalem, about geography, about Scripture, up and down. But when I see him, but you know what? The last time I checked, we believe in him by faith. Amen. I haven't seen him, but I sure know he exists in my heart and in my life. Amen. I want to be a part of that. So how beautiful is that? The Gentiles were embraced by Jesus as well. As you look around, you'll exit here in just a little bit. You'll see different people. And as they exit, they all belong to being a part of the Lord. Here's number four. We serve in community. We, uh, we serve in community. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Here's what it means. That in every one of you, God has created a valuable piece to the puzzle. In every one of you, a valuable piece to the puzzle. God's given you certain gifts, given you certain abilities. And here's what he says. I want you to engage in using that gift. You see, God never intended for the family of the church to have a spectator sport. He gifted us, called us, embraces us, and says, now fill your place serving in community with one another. That means that we are called to serve and that the spirit of servanthood is a part of our life. It was never God's intention for that to be spectator. Well, here's what we know. And we represent the love of Jesus Christ. 111 people represented Victory Church beautifully for a number of days, 10 days together there in the Holy Land. Three buses, ate breakfast together, prayed together, sang together. People met people that they didn't know before even existed, found out their names, closer community. Some of you are sitting together today and you've never sat together before because you learn one another's name. You tendered fellowship to each other. And how sweet and how, how wonderful is that serving the Lord. And we represented the Lord well. I fly uh, one particular airline a lot. And uh, on one of their videos, the CEO greets and uh, he said, service is a hallmark of our company. And I've met him personally before. And uh, I, I've been on many flights, and I'm saying service is the hallmark of our company. I, I found that not to be true on certain occasions. And we know that's true. But I, I thought, wouldn't it be something, I, I just kind of drafted this, if the CEO of that airline got on and said, you know, um, uh, news, 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 you know, new news here, news break. And he were to say something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for flying our airline. Though we say you have a choice these days, you probably don't, as we may be the only airline serving this route. I know all too well the service you get when you fly with us is terribly inconsiderate sometimes, if not downright unfriendly. Unfortunately, for a lot of reasons I can't get into here, it's difficult for us to get rid of surly flight attendants or, for that matter, to reward the really, really good ones. He says, but I hope you're fortunate enough to have a really good one today. If not, I hope the overall experience isn't too unpleasant. If that were to come on, it would shock my liver. I think, great, Dave, can you believe he said that? He told the truth. May I have a drink of water? Later. <laughs> you know. May I have, you know, the earphones? Well, we just passed by 10 minutes ago. What'd you do? Get up and leave? 
Now, here's what I found out. That's a challenge to me. If you're going to be rude to me and unfriendly and act like you don't love me, you know what? You're going to be my challenge. I'm going to figure a way out to get you to smile some way or another. I'm going to figure a way out to find your good side. It may only be a little crevice for me to get in there. But one way or the other, I'm going to find it. You know why? Because I'd rather find it and make an effort to really go overboard to make an unpleasant person at least smile or unhappy than to sit back and let it get into my spirit and write that person off. Because here's what I found. What goes around comes around. Amen? I want to be friendly. So we understand that when we get together in community, we are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the light in the midst of the darkness to tell everyone, Victory Church, to know Christ and make him known. We not only are to love one another, but listen, God says, I want you to find a place and serve. We need ushers. We need, hey, saturate Lakeland's next Saturday. We need everybody. All you need to do is to do this. And you do that about a hundred times. How hard is that? Can't be too hard. Why? Because we never know whose door we're going to put that little DVD that's the Jesus video on with that little bit of material that it just might be the door that opens up and a person gives their heart to Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't you, don't you think that? I know y'all with me, aren't you? Here we go. I'm moving along. Here we are. Number five, we heal. H-E-A-L in community. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We heal better when we serve together. Come on, small groups, we heal together when we serve together. Come on, church, Sunday school and Christian ed classes, we, we serve together, we feel better, we communicate, we heal together. We heal together serving one another. Listen carefully. Every one of you, please listen up. There's no reason in God's will you should not be doing something on this campus. I love you. What more can I say? I need you, but I'll have it my way. That's not how that song goes. We need one another. Everybody get real quiet. Everybody ought to make your mind up to say, sign me up. This is the word. We heal. Here's what happens. You see, we often get off track emotionally, physically, spiritually. Sometimes when we do, we withdraw. I've watched it far too many times that I know. I watch where people sit because I can tell you when I begin to see a person move around, it speaks to me. When I see them begin to retreat to the back, it speaks to me. You see, here's what I know. I've studied behavior because I've been doing this for 50 years. 
And if I see a person that used to be just gung-ho and they try to avoid and try to hide, then that's just the person I want to say. There's something going on with that person. I'm going to help find out what it is. Oh, they'll fake you out to begin with. How are you doing? Is something going on? Oh, no. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Well, okay. Let's talk some more. We heal. And if you get snagged and your spiritual life gets out of whack, you know, here's what it says. Commit yourself to the Lord and confess your sin. In other words, confess your sin to God and become vulnerable to those that you know, love, and serve with and say, hey, I'm really having a little struggle here. Could you help me pray? I'm not saying going out and do a big old pile of gossip and say, you know what, my wife and I, we just, I'm talking about something that is sincere and sweet and say, help me. In other words, it's called make yourself naked. And I'm not talking about reality. Nakedness only relates to human beings. I never said, oh, I see that naked cow. I see that naked pig. That's the most naked pig I've ever seen in my life. Nakedness happened in the garden. And what happened when sin came in, what did they do? They put on clothes. And I see holy clothes today in today's culture. It's okay. And when you see a person begin to hide and withdraw and just close up and afraid to make themselves transparent before God. God says, I see you just like I created you. Not like you want to be, but like I know that I created you. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. You see, we understand, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. God is saying, keep yourself pure. Keep the transparency that there. Number six, we die in community. We die in community. Paul stated, for none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. Here's what he said. You and I, as followers, will never face death alone. And if you're a member of this church and engaged, you will never face death alone. Sam Swan, Teresa's husband, that coronation service is tomorrow night. You saw it. She's been covered up with people in the sidewalk Sunday school, covered up with individuals working out of her small group, covered up with staff, there to at her beck and call whatever you need. We know Sam as a result of that. In Sam's testimony, Sam, of course, came to Victory Church one time and expected to walk in and walk out. And that was his whole goal. But instead of, instead of walking out, here's what happened. The Holy Spirit spoke to him, a person that hardly knew any scripture at all, had no knowledge of the word of God. But the Holy Spirit directed him to the altar, and he gloriously gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Six years later, after salvation and learning the Word of God, Teresa, who'd been praying for a spirit-filled, godly man, guess who it was? The man six years ago who knew nothing came down, gave his heart. Six years later, marries a gal that we consider to be a wonderful treasure here at Victory Church. That's God. It happened, that process, because of her and him. She's surrounded 
by individuals who love her. I've been with Christians when they die and all their family members gather together. I've seen church people gather together and sing songs, but I've also been with people who were not engaged in anything, who had a family that was split to smithereens, that wouldn't come in and wouldn't talk, wouldn't attend. I've had them and seen them jump in a car trying to grab the baby that happened to be the treasure of the lost person that had died, spin out of the cemetery, sheriff have to chase, it, the long, chase them, the loneliest part. I've been in funeral and committal service where the sheriff's deputy had to stand there because they got word someone was going to come and shoot me and someone else. Wow. But the most lonely was the one of the carny who the funeral director called me and said, I have no one to do the internment for this man. He died in his little old tiny apartment all alone. We found him. Would you do the internment? Sure. I was there. The funeral director was there. The only two people. I gave that man the best internment that I could gather. But he died by himself. There are more lonely people in the world today than ever. And we have more than we've ever had. You don't find happiness and joy in things and possessions. You find them in Jesus Christ and in one another. Amen? In one another. So you don't have to die alone. Number seven, we will be resurrected in community. God's not going to say, hey, the resurrection is all about you. When that trumpet blows, only those of you over 65 are going to go up. It's kind of like going to a banquet and they have all the tables. Your table will be called. How many of you find yourself among the last tables being called than among the first from time to time? They're overlooking me. Oh, yeah, we'll call your table. Everybody else has already had their steak, digested it, sitting back, smiling when you walk by with yours. But here's what he said. Ain't going to be so when the resurrection takes place. He said, and the trumpet is going to sound. Y'all with me? We've been to Israel, haven't we, Johnson family? And that trumpet is going to sound. We've been on that Mount of Olives. And when that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And those of us who are alive are going to meet him in the air. We're not even going to have to jump to get a head start. You're going to rise up to meet him in the air. And forever we're going to be with Almighty God. It's going to be a one event fail sweep and everybody goes at the same time we'll be resurrected together God won't be saying oh you were more faithful to my work than they were so I'm going to give you a, a fifth of a second jump he's going to say if you're a follower we go in together we go in together. We resurrect. Why? That's in community. Listen, I'll tell you. First Corinthians 15. Tell you a mystery. Not all sleep, but we all will be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Are you ready? Now let me encourage you. The whole purpose of this message is in. In. 
Not isolation, not withdrawal, not I don't have time, not if you can give me a break. It's all in. Why? Because I care about lost people. And I found out the happiest people are those who are all in. Do people have to beg you to come to church? That's sad. People have to beg you to get engaged? That's sad. When the king of the universe created you to serve, why in the world would you do anything else but be obedient to him? You see, we grow and we become accepted and we serve and we heal and we die and we are resurrected as a community. May we realize the value of the church. That the church is not just an institution or a place you drive up to on Sunday. The value of the church is meaningful. I had a person not too long ago that said, can you send somebody to see me? Been 20 years since I've been at church. And I said, sure. He said, I'm all just lost and lost a bunch of stuff, property and relationships. Can you send somebody to see me, you know, and just talk with me? I thought to myself, well, I didn't think, uh, well, where you been for 20 years? The rest of us stayed true. You know, the rest of us got up. We've been here on Sunday morning. We, we by tithe paid the bills by the grace of God. You know, we had efforts that sacrificed. No, I didn't. Here's what I thought. I said, we sure will. We've been waiting on you for 20 years to get back. And somebody will be out there to see you really, really soon. Why? Because no one ought to be left out. Because they haven't done exactly like they should. Amen? We ought to all work together. So I want you to realize the value of the church. Realize the value of fellowship. We got that down pretty good. It's called breaking of bread. We don't have anything around here without breaking bread. Tim's got a a little fellowship with some of his workers today. I promise you they're going to break bread. They're not going to show up after church and just come in there and breathe deep air and realize the value of small group. Get connected. Let me say it again. Get connected. Get connected with somebody. Don't just, listen, don't just come in and go get in your little tiny car and take off. Greet people, meet people, help people, love people. Somebody say amen. Amen. Get some way connected to somebody else and let them. They need you maybe more than you need them. Realize the value of what it means when we come There they are again, all the way from Israel. (laughs) We come together and worship as one body. The Bible said in Acts 2, they were together, one body, one spirit, one mind, one accord. And the Spirit of God fell. And it says they fellowship. And as they fellowshiped and breaking of the bread, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to prayer. And it says that when they came together, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that would be saved. May God help us to remember it's not about me or any one individual. 
We're in this thing together. And now I'm going to do a little yard talk. Some of you have stepped back away from involvement. Can I encourage you? Step back in. Amen. Step back in. Step back in. Say, I'm here. Whatever I need to do. I am willing and able. How wonderful. A number of years ago, well, 10 years ago, someone was asked, a group of people surveyed, do you have someone to talk to about important matters? 10% of those interviewed said yes. Five years ago, another group was asked, do you have someone to talk to about important matters? 75% of them said no. We have no one. Listen, friend, we need one another, the vision of Victory Church, to know Christ and make him known. We are accelerating Easter with children and everything else. I'm asking you, let's give God the glory and let's thank him and let's put our best foot forward and say we are all in. Say it with me. We are all in. Would you stand? Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to deliver the word of God today. We need you. We've heard from you. We rejoice in you. But God, <clears throat> I pray that you speak to us through your word. I pray that not one person justifiably will be able to sell you a thought that is not true. We can in our life be isolated. We can in our life, it's just me, my family, and together, and that's it. We can do that. We can be that person that's got an ax to grind and we don't want to engage because we, we got hurt. Well, my Lord, we get hurt every day by something. God, we don't, if we stump our toe, we don't cut our toe off and say, you dirty little toe. You got in the way, I'm cutting you off. We don't do that. God, there needs to be that flow of the Holy Spirit for all of us that we're all in, that we're marching, we're marching to Zion. Easter's coming. This Saturday, we're going to reach more people. Thousands we're going to reach. Then Sunday, Palm Sunday, inspires us. But Easter Sunday is coming. And God, it cannot be just about me. We have to touch as many people as we can. I pray for relationships. That someone in relationships in this room or listening online, they become prideful and they've withdrawn away from that relationship. They were drawn away and think, okay, I don't need anyone. God, we need, everybody needs someone else. God, others are withdrawn from the church. How sad is that? The bride of Christ, who loses? It certainly isn't the bride of Christ. God, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts, our young people. I pray you'd let them know for you to be the number one priority in their life. This is prom time, God, in which seniors celebrate and juniors, of course, and others at prom time, a, a successful accomplishment of, of high school usually. And God, but if they're graduating, they didn't graduate on their own. 
They didn't get there by themselves. They got there by the dedication of teachers and friends and moms and dads and other relatives. But they get to celebrate because they're the star. I pray you would help us. May you speak to every heart. May every businessman hear this message appropriately. May every family head hear this message appropriately. May every couple hear this message. May every single adult hear this message appropriately. That, Father God, we are to be used by you. And just in case there's some listening online or in this room that may not feel good in their heart about their spiritual life and they need forgiveness, as a body, we're going to pray this prayer together. So would you repeat it, everybody, after me? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus Christ. I know that he died on the cross, I know that he died on the cross for my sins. For my sins. I humble myself, I humble myself. And, I and I ask for forgiveness. Come into my heart, into my heart. and do what I cannot do. Redeem me from my wicked way. Create in me a pure heart, a humble heart, an obedient heart to serve your will. In Jesus' name, amen. We know God is able to heal. You stay with me just a few moments. We're going to sing this song, James 5, 14. It says, if you have a need, you've been talking to God about, this is the moment to come and to be healed. After the Jordan River, I caught quite a cold and et cetera, and voice was going quickly. A group of individuals gathered around me and prayed. I said, God, touch him. Touch our pastor. I'm telling you, right then and there, God showed up and gave me a healing touch. And since that time and coming back, was able to share. Dan said, are you ever going to be able to preach Sunday? I said, let me tell you something, buddy boy. I ain't backing up. We're going to preach until we go up. Amen. If you need prayer, you come as we sing. Stay with me just for a moment. Here we go. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. Just come right ahead, friend. If you need to be anointed, don't wait. Slip on down.
Heavenly Father, we belong to you and you belong to us. This is a great church of wonderful people, the best people in the world. But God, I'm asking you for an outflow of revival in our hearts. When we roll our sleeves up and engage in fellowship with one another, revival takes place. You said they met together and they rejoiced and had all things in common. They were focused on reaching the world. We are focused on reaching our world too. I pray you'd guide us this afternoon. Give everybody a great, great afternoon. Those of the Israel trip, let them rest and catch up on that old jet lag. Touch them, Lord, and minister to every need. We're looking to you for the miraculous. So God, tonight, it's never too late to dream. We are anxious about it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love on somebody if you don't mind.